0: say good evening brethren it's again a pleasure to be with you tonight and we've had a great day of visiting and I appreciate all the hospitality by the congregation it's a blessing to be in your presence and enjoy this time to worship God and I hope that's what you've come here tonight to do to worship him to sing these songs to bow before him in prayer and to study his word his holy and divine word that gives us eternal life tonight I want to talk for a few minutes about a topic of roots downward and fruit upward. And I think that's a pretty well uh, basic concept that we can understand tonight. I think we've seen that in nature. The, the passage we'll begin with is 2 Kings chapter 19, beginning verse 25 here. Uh, King Sennacherib of the Assyrians has made a threat toward uh, the children of Israel uh, to King Hezekiah. And Hezekiah uh, lays those things down before God and And God sends Isaiah to come and speak to King Hezekiah. And he says words. Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it, and of ancient times that I have formed it? Now have I brought it to pass, that thou shouldest be lay waste, fit cities into ruinous heaps? Therefore their inhabitants were of small power. They were dismayed and confounded. There was grass of the field, and as the green herb, as the grass on the housetops, as the corn blasted before it grown up. But I know thy abode, and thy going out and thy coming in and they rage against me because they rage against me and, and thy tumult has come up into my ears. Therefore I will put my hook in thy nose and my bridle in, my, in thy lips and I will turn thee back the way which thou camest. And God, he declares to the enemies of his people that he says, I'm going to have my way with you. You're not going to come in and attack Jerusalem. You're not going to have your way. These are still my people, and I'm still God, and I'm their protector, and you'll not have your way with them. And we see that he speaks, and he says, And this shall be a sign unto thee, ye shall eat this year such things as grow of themselves. And in the second year, that which springeth up of the same. And in the third year, sow ye, and reap, and plant vineyards, and eat the fruits thereof. And the remnant that is escaped to the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. He says that this remnant that's going to be left of God's people, he says, you're going to have to rely on me for two years. You're not going to sow. You're not going to go out and plant. You're going to have to take what the earth provides you, and you're going to have to remain in faith that I, your God will take care of you. And I'll tell you what, it would take faith to do that to live in a place and and all of our mind and our earthly bodies would say, you know, I need to take preparation for what the things that we need. And God says, don't do those things. You're going to rely on me for two years. And there's going to come a time that I'll allow you to sow. And you'll reap. And you'll plant vineyards. And you'll have sustenance. But he says here that the house of Judah, those that escape, shall yet again take root downward, and bear fruit upward. Man, I tell you what, I wasn't even looking for this verse when I found it. I was searching through the Old Testament looking for something else. And man, I come across that scripture I said, man, that'll preach. And I had all these ideas of what that passage was going to mean and, and, and how it was going to influence uh, my, my life. And I thought, man, that's going to be great. And I tell you what, I was devastated the reality that comes with that passage. I want to talk about some important things tonight and the importance of us as God's people to rely on him that we put down our roots, down deep roots, and that we bear fruit tonight. This is not God's inspired word. This is from the Iowa State University Extension. They say healthy trees will have a healthy expanding root system. As we work with landscape plants, avoid practices which damage or inhibit the growth of a tree's root system. Healthy roots anchor the tree, provide uptake of nutrients and water for growth and cooling, provide storage for food reserves, and produce organic materials required for a uh, tree's growth. These vital root functions are vital to a vigorous and functional tree. Vital, 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 vital. I don't know why they put two vitals, but they did. Just to make sure you knew that it was vital. Where I live in Warren County, Tennessee, we're uh, proclaimed as the nursery capital of the world. That means we grow trees. There's probably trees here in Pearland, Texas that come from McMinnville, Tennessee. You've probably got Tennessee dirt in Texas. As bad as that pains you to say, there's Tennessee in Texas. And you know, there's certain trees and they have awful... I, we were at... Uh, uh, Brother Roberts' uh, uh, house today, and, and he was showing me a piece of wood out in the in the shop, and it was silver maple. And I can't stand silver maples. Nothing, not the, nothing wrong with his wood, but I can't stand silver maple. You know why? Because the roots grow on top of the ground, and they go forever. You could plant one fifty feet from your house, and they'll find its way into the foundation. And when you try to mow over roots that are on top of the ground, you just go like this right here. And Kevin, no good grass grows. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. No good grass grows there. They're worthless. And then they split and they rot and you have to take them down. And here you go again. You've got to plant another tree. Same thing with a Bradford pear. Y'all may, we talked about this. We may have Bradford pears in this town. Bradford pears have made millionaires in the place that I live. You know they finally figured out what Bradford pears are really like after they mature. And there's places in this country that have outlawed the Bradford pear because it's so worthless. Because it grows up for a while and then it splits or it blows over because it doesn't have a strong enough tap root on it. You have to have good roots to have a good tree. We have to bury our roots deep if we're going to be true followers of Jesus Christ. We have to be bought in. Tonight we'll talk about taking root downward, bearing fruit upward. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. He wants you to be perfect. He wants you to be complete. He wants to equip you with all those things that you need. We talked about that already this week, that God desires us. It's his his desire for us to have the things that we need to be able to function and take care of the mission that he has granted us to, to take on. He wants us to, uh, to be equipped. He wants to establish us. He wants to settle us. He wants us to be grounded. He wants us not to be tossed to and fro, but to be established. He wants us to be strong. He wants to be strong because he knows that this world presses on us and presses against us, and he wants us to have the strength to be able to stand, and he wants to settle you. He wants to make you a foundation in which more can be multiplied on top of. You have to start with a good foundation. That foundation has to be right or there's no sense of building on it. And if you're a tree, if you're going to be a tree, you've got to get steady. you've got to get grounded. You've got to have all the things that it needs uh, for nutrient's sake, uh, for organic material sake. Why? Because if you don't, you won't live. And if you don't live, you won't bear fruit. And God's called us to multiply and to make much fruit. John 15, and 1 through 8, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is a husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Brethren, I don't want to be taken away. I don't want to be cast off. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, that it may bring forth more fruit. He prunes that, that branch, that it may bring forth more. Now we are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. You know, it just makes common sense that a branch has to be attached to the vine for it to have nutrients, for it to have life, for it to be able to bear fruit. you know, I've I've looked up at trees, fruit trees after a storm or after months after a storm and you see there's a dead branch in there and it's different from all the other ones. It's brown and it's withered and there's no fruit on it. You know what we do with those? We cut them out. We cut them out, we take them away and we burn them. You know why we take them away and burn them? Because if you leave that branch around the healthy tree, all type of blight and insects and other organisms get on that withered branch and make its way onto the healthy tree. Brethren, you're not going to be left around to to damage, to blemish that which is good in the Lord. You're going to be cast out. He's going to put you far away. I take great amazement here in verse 8. Here is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. That's an amazing thought. What can I do that would give God glory? God God is glorious all His own, but yet He's allowed me as His creation to bring glory to Him if I bear fruit for Him. And I can be called His disciple. I can be called a part of His family. I actually can be a part of the tree. I can be a branch. Whatever size branch it may be, I can be a branch on this great tree. Because As a branch, I gain my life from the vine. I gain my life from what comes up. That's what sustains me. A branch does not sustain by itself. It has to have the tree. In Luke chapter 8, verse 4, you see the parable of the sower. You know, we look at the parable of the sower, we can look at it different ways, brethren. We can look at the parable of the sower kind of like what we really like to look at the parable of the sower that we're the sower and the seed's God's word and we see us as the sower and we're scattering this seed and some of it falls on this ground, this ground but you know really sometimes we're, we're the ground because it's a, it's a view of our heart and we have to look honestly at our heart to see what kind of ground our heart is when the seed of God is sown but I want to look at it just a little bit differently tonight in a different context. I want you to think about this ground to be in the heart of your children. And I hope you can understand it tonight, and I, hope, I know the parents tonight will understand this. It changes when you become a parent. I mean, there were things that changed when I became a parent that I didn't understand and I couldn't understand that I didn't look for before I was a parent. The, the parable is this, and when, and when much people were gathered together and were come unto him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked, asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, to you, uh, he said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Brethren, we have a responsibility as a generation to pass on our knowledge and to pass on our talents and give time to the next generation. He says in Luke 17, 1, then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible that offenses, uh, it is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for uh, him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Brethren, when God gives us this blessing of children, he's given us an awesome opportunity because he's not just placing flesh in our hands, but he's placing a soul in our hands to nurture. In Luke chapter 8, to to go back to that scripture, in verse 5 it says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Now he gives the answer to this in verse 12, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You know, Amy and I bought a piece of ground a few years ago, and it was a piece of ground that was mostly timber, but on the backside there was a little clear area. And when I bought that piece of ground, it was grown up. I would get on a tractor and the weeds were still this high above my head. And I decided that I was gonna make that piece of ground, that clear piece of ground, I was gonna make it pasture for my goats. And so I went in there and I bush hogged that that pasture down. It was tough, it was difficult, took me a long time to do, but I finally got all the weeds cut back. And I've got a friend of mine, he's about 64, 65. He's a lot smarter than me. He's been around a lot more and I was trying to tell him my intentions of what I was gonna do with this piece of ground. And I said, here's my idea, Pete. I'm going to go in there, and I read this on some forum. You know, you know people on the Internet, smartest people you ever bet in your life. I said, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to take a broadcast spreader, and I'm going to take red clover. Now, red clover is a tiny, tiny seed, and I'm going to broadcast that over that cleared piece of ground, and I'm going to let the goats come in there, and they're going to walk on it, and they're going to trot on it, and they're going to push that seed down into the ground. He said, that'll never work. I said, what do you mean it won't work? I read it on the internet. Of course it'll work. He said, that'll never work. I said, all right, all right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, I've got a spike bar harrow, and I'm going to take it put it behind the tractor, and I'm going to drag that pasture just a little bit, just to rough it up just a little bit, and then I'm going to broadcast that seed on that piece of land. He said, that'll never work. I said, why won't it work? He said, because if you're gonna grow anything back there, the seed has to make contact with the soil. He said, that's the way grass grows. A seed makes contact with the dirt. He's right. He was right. You know, when we don't prepare the ground, when we do nothing, and we take the seed and we scatter it on top of, of untilled ground, it doesn't do any good. Brethren, I wanna think about the hearts of our children right now. If there's no preparation and there's seed scattered on top of unprepared ground, it doesn't do any good. There's no germination. You see here in this picture there on the right, you see there are road. What good would it do to scatter seed in that roadway? Well, it wouldn't do a bit of good. It's going to be trodden over. It's going to be run over. It's not going to make contact with the soil. What about if you put it there in the middle? What if you put it there in that ditch? Big rain comes, it's going to wash away because it has no roots. And that seed's going to wash away. What if you put it on the far right over there? What if you put it on that flat ground inside that field where there's grass already growing there? It's not going to come up. There's no way for it to come up. Why? Because it doesn't make contact with the soil. And the only way you grow anything is the seed has to make contact with the soil. Brethren, we have to do things for our children. We have to teach them, but we have to prepare the soil. We can't do nothing all their life and then when they get the opportunity to hear the gospel and it doesn't take effect and it doesn't take root, we can't sit back and wonder why. Why didn't it take any root? Because the the seed didn't make contact with the soul. In Luke chapter 8 verse 6, here he goes on and he says, Some fell upon a rock and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. He gives an answer. He said, They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. You know that piece of property on the other side of the fence there was a residential place and over the years people had thrown all kinds of junk onto that piece of property. There was big chunks of concrete. There was a a whole flat of shingles. There was balls that kids had played with in their backyard that made it over there and they couldn't cross the fence to get to them. There were shoes. Get rid of a pair of shoes, just throw it on the neighbor's property. There's one of them little blue them little cheap blue swimming pools that you buy at Kmart that you know you use four times and it cracks in half. There's one of those over there. You know, we had to gather all that stuff up and we had to put it over off in the woods somewhere. The devil does his job in throwing rocks into the field, doesn't he? He does all he can to contaminate the field where growth is trying to take place. And what's worse than that, brother? There's a quote in a movie. Now, Ty, if he was here, he don't really care for pictures in a, in a slideshow if you didn't know that. I really don't think he'd like a movie quote, but I'm going to give you a movie quote. In the movie Gladiator, about the year 2000, one of my favorite movies, in the early parts of that movie is Claudius, the the son of the emperor, finds out that he's not going to be the emperor after the death of Marcus Aurelius. And Marcus Aurelius gets on his knees before his son, after his son tells him about all the things that he lacks. And he looked at his son and he says, Your faults as a son are my failures as a father. I watched that movie 200 times before I had kids. And after I've had kids, I'll tell you what, that come a different meaning for me. You know why, brother? Because when I look at my kids sometimes, I see the rocks that I put down in their life. When I see them be short and have a temper, I know where that came from. It wasn't the devil that cast it there. It was their daddy. He put that rock in the field. He made it hard on them. He put something in their life that was a hard place that needs to be removed so the seed can make contact with the soul. And it breaks our heart when we see our kids struggle because of the things that we've laid down in their life. It's a sad, sick feeling to know you've cost your child more problems than ought to be allowed. The devil's going to do his work. He doesn't need mom and daddy laying rocks down in the field either. But you see that picture right there? That's what's called a rock picker. And that rock picker you put behind a tractor and you run through the field and it, it's got a, a PTO driven wheel that scrapes those rocks and picks those rocks up and gathers them in a basket and then you take it to the edge of the field. It's got a hydraulic dump and you hydraulic dump those rocks on the other side on the, off the field. Brethren, we need to be picking up the rocks out of our children's heart instead of laying them down. We need to be showing them the good things where they won't deal with the problems that their mom and daddy have struggled with. I want my kids not to struggle with the things that I've struggled with. I don't want to give those to my children as a, a terrible gift, an unfair gift because they struggle with something because their daddy struggled with it. Brethren, we need to work and make sure the rocks don't get in the, in the field of our children's hearts. In Luke chapter 7, uh, verse uh, Chapter 8, verse 7, the Bible says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. The answer to that was verse 14, And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. I told you that piece of land that we bought, it was mostly timber. And one thing we did, because it would make a little quick money, is we went in and cruised that That section of timber, we had it select cut. We took all the biggest trees out of it. We had them cut down for timber. We sold that timber. You know what happened after we took out all that canopy out of those woods? You ain't never seen the lack of briars that sprung up in this place. There were places in there that that you couldn't walk through. A rabbit couldn't run through a lot of that stuff. There were so many briars that sprung up. Well, you know what happened? I never went in there. I never tended that ground. I never tried to sow seed. And there's no way that I could go in there and sow seed amongst all those briars. It never come up. He says there that they are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. You know, if our children see a pattern of their mom and daddy worried about the cares and the pleasures and the riches of this life, Should we be surprised when our children grow up to be worldly people? To put money ahead of God? To chase the almighty daughter? To chase uh, position and pride and pleasures? Would it be any reason when daddy and mommy say, you know what, it's Sunday, we're off work today, let's go to the lake. And when our children grow up, we wonder why they're not in church. Where's little Johnny today? Well, he's on the lake. Brethren, we can't set an example of worldliness in our children's lives and expect anything different from them. That's foolish. We reap what we sow. And sadly, when we reap or when we sow bountifully, we also reap bountifully. If you sow good, you'll reap good. But if we sow plenty of bad, don't be surprised when you reap plenty of bad. We can't sow a bunch of evil wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. It just doesn't work that way. You and I have to be careful of the things we show our children and the actions. We need, we need parents that say, you know what, we're going to put the Lord first. We're going to put his church first. We're going to put his work first. And hopefully that will be an example until our children, they can say, you know what, I do this and I was shown how to do this because my mom and daddy did it. Because that's what we do. That's who we are. That's how we stand. But if we let a bunch of briars come up, don't be surprised when no seed comes up. In Luke 8, verse 8. Another fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. He gives the answer in verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Now, Brother Steve probably really knows what that is right there. Looks like Lindale's garden, doesn't it? Kind of. Maybe a little bigger. But you know, down in the Mississippi Delta, they farm like this. They'll grow something like cotton. And they'll go and they'll pick that cotton. And after they pick that cotton or they strip that cotton, they'll go back and they'll take a a tractor and a bush hog and they'll cut those cotton stalks back off close to the ground. And then they'll go back in there with some kind of big disc or hara or a Kelly diamond and they'll go through and they'll they'll really till that soil in to take that root that stalk and the rest of that stalk and put it back in the ground for organic material. And they'll really flatten that thing. And then they'll take another round and they'll take a hipper or a better and they'll come through there and they'll make this ridge that you see here. See that ridge? And they'll do that in the fall. And then springtime comes. I've seen them a lot of times come back again and they'll hip it again. They'll make it fresh again. And then they'll come back on top of that and they'll put a roller back on top of that where that dirt mounds up. They want to kind of press in that top where it's good and firm. So when they plant that seed in the top of that that hip there, that it's got good ground, good solid ground to take root in. And if it rains, it won't wash it off or wash it away. And you know what? It costs a lot of money to run over. I've got customers that are 3, 5, 10,000 acres. I've got one that's 20,000, one that's 40,000 acres. It takes a lot of work to do that. It takes a lot of expense to do that. When you take a half a million dollar tractor burning $4 diesel at just a, maybe a few gallons per mile or miles per gallon, I don't know which one. I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of work. But you know what happens when you put in the work? You get results. Why? Because that seed, it makes contact with the soil. What's our application? What do we need to do for our children? Our children, their hearts like that soil. And we need to make pass pass after pass after pass after pass after pass after pass. And we need to make that soil ready and prepare it for the seed to be put down in it. And if we take the preparation, brethren, if we, if we do the work, if we don't let it, uh, let it stay undisked, if we don't let the rocks get in it, if we don't let the briars come up in it, when the seed is sown, it'll bring forth fruit. And I think us as parents, that's what we want from our children tonight. We want a heart that's ready to receive the word of God. And when the seed is planted, fruit comes out of it. That's what I want from my children. Isn't it what you want from your children? You better believe it. I'll tell you what, we took that piece of ground. And man, I took a disc and I dissed that thing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I took my broadcast spreader and I got me some fescue and I put in it and I scattered that seed out. And I took a, another chain drag and a spike bar harrow and I run back on top of that thing. And you know what? We did that in the fall by the spring. I had difficulties going in there with a mower to mow it. It was thicker than a, cat on a hair on a cat's back. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have had that result if i just scattered that seed on top of the ground. It'll never worked. And if we make no preparation for our children, don't be surprised why the seed don't come up. Let's prepare our children. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. And established the faith as you have been taught. Abounding therein We're thanksgiving. Because of Jesus Christ we need to be rooted and grounded in him. Now you can have roots but you can have shallow roots. You can have no roots. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. He said, let us hold fast. How do you hold fast? You put down roots. He says, this is who I am. This is who I serve. This is what we do. This is how it's going to be. I'm going to put my roots down. I'm going to put my roots down in Him. Why put your roots down in Jesus? Because He is faithful. Because He is the great promiser. And His promises are good and they're true. And they never never fall away. They're never a lie. Everywhere else you can hear lies. You'll never hear a lie in Christ Jesus. You know why you need to be rooted and grounded? Because you need to help other people be rooted and grounded. You can't tell somebody else to do something you're not doing yourself. Brethren, there's people that are sitting on the pew beside you tonight. They need you to be a rock for them sometimes. They need you to be deep, grounded, and rooted. Because sometimes we need people to lean on, don't we? I need to be able to lean on you, and I need you to be grounded when I lean on you. I need you to help me. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Brethren, if we can't trust the people that are in this room tonight together, you can't trust nobody. These are the people, they don't just care about your well-being, they care about your eternal soul. You can't turn your back on these people because they don't want to turn their back on you. It's one of those things, it's not what I can get. We need to stop having the attitude when we come into the worship, it's not what I can get. What can I give? How can I edify you, my brother? How can I strengthen you? And somehow by God's power, when we do that, somehow we're strengthened. We receive the blessing when we try to bless other people, when we try to give to other people. We try to edify to other people. We find ourselves edified. Ephesians four and eleven. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro. And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slot of man and cunning craftiness wherein they lie and wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You're a part of something. He talks about in Romans chapter 11, how you are grafting in. Now, I don't know how much you know about grafting, but back home, we know something about grafting. You take uh, basically a, a root and a small twig of a tree about that size and you plant it in the ground. And grafting, is t- it's hard work. It's one of the hardest jobs I know of because it requires bending down all day to the ground And a butter will come in with a real sharp bud knife and they'll cut a slit in the side of that bud or side of that that root. And they'll take a bud chip off whatever they're wanting to try to grow and they'll slip that chip right into that slit there. And somebody comes in behind them and tapes that up so that it holds together. And you do thousands of them a day. It's hard work. But you know when that thing grows up, He talks about us being grafted in. You know why I take joy tonight to say that he's grafted us into that tree? Because that graft right there is the strongest part of that tree. That bond that's been made will always be the strongest part of that tree. You know, you can take a little short, you know, stick when it gets all stubby like that, and you can try to kick that branch off. You know what's more than likely to happen? The whole thing will uproot because it's so bonded together. When Jesus grafts us in, he makes a bond that is stronger than any other. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us, that he has bonded us together. We have been made in his image. We have been made like him. He's been made our sacrifice. And when when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees what we've become because we've been grafted into that tree and they've been made one. He sees Christ. He doesn't see the old sinner anymore. He sees his son. I'm not worthy to be seen like that of God, but he's made us worthy. That he wants to be a part of us. He wants to attach himself to us and he wants to graft us in. Our God gives us great love. And you and I, we may, we may do different work. We may be planted beside each other. And we may be doing different work. But underneath it all, we are rooted in the same thing. We have fellowship because we serve one God. Because one Savior is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can have fellowship together. We can grow together. No roots. No good. Luke six forty seven. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man who built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the floods arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You know why you need roots? You know why you need a foundation? Because it's the only thing you can stand in. And God's Word is the only thing that we can stand in, it's the only thing that lasts, it's eternal, it shows us the way to eternal life. And if you want to build your life on any other premise, it's not going to work. And you know what that means? That means you might find success in this life. You might find position. People might know your name. You might live in a big house, drive a nice car, wear nice clothes. But that house is going to fall. It's not going to last in eternity, is it? all the adoration you received on the earth will be worthless but if we build our life on the Bible if we put our trust in Jesus Christ that house will stand we can wear rags you can wear old tater sack you can live in a little tiny house drive a little pinto but your house will stand if you build it on the word of God heaven will be your home You'll see the Lord in all his glory. You're going to die and you're going to be glorified in the next life. So you're going to trade 70 years of bling bling on this earth with everybody praising your name and spend eternity in hell or are you going to live for him for 70 or 80 years? Give up all the glory. Give up all the accolades. Let it not be about you. Let it be about him and live eternally with him. Shallow roots and hollow doctrine are no good, brethren. Colossians 2, 6 and 8, As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You know, there's a lot of this junk out here, and I think it's it's no surprise to us the, the New Testament is full of warnings. It's full of warnings of false teachers, of wicked doctrines. And you know, those doctrines are like that tree right there. That tree looked probably like a pretty good tree. But you know what? When the wind came, what was revealed? It had shallow roots. It couldn't stand the test of time. It wasn't, it wasn't trusted. Brethren, if we don't put our roots down deep in the truth, we'll be just like that tree. What about this one right here? You know, this tree is a great big tree. And we look at the bottom of that tree, we might think, boy, it's got some great roots. But you know what its problem was? It was hollow on the inside. doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. If inside you're not what you ought to be, inside you're not truly working for the Lord, inside it's all about you, Someday the wind will come and it'll fall. And you'll be found out. We talked the other night about the best actors in the world probably aren't in Hollywood. They may be in the church. You'll be found out. And that tree will fall over. Second Kings chapter 19, going back to our original passage there. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant and they that escape out of Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. Therefore saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it, for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. You know, this king, he'd made a great boast against this, and he'd wiped out all kinds of nations, and he put Israel in his crosshairs, but God said, listen, He's not going to shoot one arrow into my city. He's not going to bring men in here. He's not going to mount his army against us. He said, I'm going to send him packing. I'm going to send him back the way he came. You know, God's people, that remnant that were faithful, God said he would defend those people. Why? Because they trusted in him. Because they put their faith in him. They didn't have to sow those first two years. They said the Lord's going to take care of us and take care of them, he did. Don't be worried about the enemy, brethren. You're in the hands of the Lord. He's given you the tools. We talked about the shield of faith the other night. That's able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He's given you the resources that an arrow can't penetrate if you'll use the shield of faith. He's given you these things, brethren, not only for his sake, but for his servants' sake, those that are faithful. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, the Bible says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect equip you in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, brethren, he's given you everything that you need to put down your roots. He's provided. He's poured himself out. He's given you an opportunity that your heart could be softened that the seed could come in, that it could take root, and that that root go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper so that you can stand in him. Jeremiah 17, verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm. Whose heart departeth from the Lord? For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see good, uh, not see when good cometh. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. The man that trusteth in himself, he's like a tiny shrub planted in a salt land. He won't live. There's no way to sustain life in conditions like that, in a parched place. But it says, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green. That tree won't see when the heat cometh. Oh, there'll be heat, but it'll pay it no mind. And her leaf will stay green. She'll not be withered away but she'll continue to live and to grow and to thrive and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You know why that tree tree lives like that? Because it's got deep roots. And even in the times of heat, even in the times of drought, she still has uh, green leaves and she still produces fruit. And if you and I, if we'll root ourselves in the Lord Jesus, when difficult times come, the heat won't bother us near as bad. And when the the dry times come, we'll continue to bear fruit. God expects his people to bear fruit at all times. That's what you've been called to do. And he says that if we're not bearing fruit, he doesn't want us. He's ready to cut that branch out. But those that do produce fruit, he wants to prune. He wants to continue to do those things that will help that tree produce more fruit. He wants us to be more fruitful. But he does that if we have to, if when, when we root ourselves in him and allow him to have his work in us. And brethren, I can't overstate it that we have to prepare our children for the seed to be sown and that it would take root and that it would grow and that it would produce fruit itself isn't that every goal of every parent here tonight to see the fruit produced by the next generation and you grandparents by the next generation isn't that what we want we have to root ourselves in Jesus Christ Sometimes I look at my life and I wonder about the hollowness and I wonder about shallow roots. And if you look at your life tonight and you say, you know what, I feel hollow on the inside. I may look okay on the outside, but I'm hollow on the inside. Or people can't see down deep and low, I've got shallow roots. I'm just one storm away from being blown over. I'm going to tell you what, the Lord wants you to dig down deep. He wants you to put it takes the things that he has to give. It takes that water falling down, and waterness. as the dew comes down to the tender herb, I believe it's Deuteronomy 32:2. the dew comes down, it falls down, it gives us exactly what we need so we can grow. Jesus wants you to grow. If you've not been planted in him tonight, brethren, I pray that you do so, that you be buried with him in baptism that you come up to walk in newness of life, that you can start building your roots. And don't worry when you have shallow roots to begin with because there's some big trees with deep roots that want to put themselves around you to protect you from the storm. There are brothers and sisters in Christ that are here to protect you from the storm. Our faith, our true faith in him, And our roots in Christ, we'll be able to stand. I want to stand. I don't want to be blown over. I don't want to be cast out and burned. I want to stand. I want to grow. I want to be a blessing to other people. Don't you? Brethren, let's deal with ourselves honestly tonight. Let's look into our heart and see who we are. You can fool me. You can fool the elders. You might be able to fool your own mother, but you can't fool God. He knows. He can see your roots. So let's put our our roots down deep, brethren. If you have a need tonight, the lesson is yours. Come for whatever you need as we stand and sing.